Well, this morning we're going to be looking at a few passages, and we're going to begin in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And as we do, I, I want us this morning to just to, to realize something at the onset, that this, this already, this beginning is filled with a tremendous amount of stories. God has been at work in, in amazing ways. It's been fun to see him doing what only he can do. And from beginning, from the very beginning to even how we discovered this place, this facility, and to the end to where we're meeting here today, all that's taken place and has happened has been amazing little stories along the way in the journey of putting it together, of seeing God's grace, it's just doing things that we don't deserve and have just been amazing. It's been just this wonderful blessing. And it's just exciting to be a part of what God is doing. And when you see him doing things, it's just, and then you stand back in, in amazement at what he's done. And so we're looking forward to the season ahead of us and to all that God has for us. And in light of our new location and the incredible difference it will be in terms of especially our exposure. I don't know if many of you know this area, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of cars that drive people, go by this place on a continual basis. 50, 52nd Avenue is, is incredibly busy as well. And so... <laughs> that competition. <laughs> That's a good cry. It's a brown, Chris Brown cry. <laughs> so we're excited about the exposure we have. We basically have gone from a corner in the woods in Briar to a corner on a busy street to an exposure that is unparalleled. We've got a massive neighborhood to the back of us here, the, all of the, the major commercial district of Linwood to the front and side of us, and we've got this beautiful park over here. And we've just worked, God has placed us here, and what's remarkable is that he kind of opened this to us. I don't know if many of you know that that silver cup place we're looking at at 99, the day that that fell through, when I was talking to the broker, he said that someone's already beat you to it. They've already uh, started moving towards a lease. And I said, oh, really? No way. Because, you know, when you kind of get your heart set and then all of a sudden it, it, it doesn't happen, you think, oh, great. Because uh, you think that would have been so great. And then all of a sudden he said, hey, wait a second, there's something just came up today. And he sa- said, and it, maybe you might be interested. I think it might work good for you guys. And it was this building. And so the day that that fell apart and thinking that would be so great, and this ends up being just in terms of location even that much better. So God has just been amazing. And I'd like this morning for all of us, for our imaginations to be sparked and to be revived, to think about what this could mean for us, what this location could mean for us as a church and for the kingdom of God. Because that is ultimately the most exciting thing. The mo- it isn't even that, that we here have finished a building and it looks nice and this is great. The look of it is, is great, but that isn't the point. The point is that God has placed us in an amazing play- spot 
in order to be this beacon of light to this city, that the kingdom of God might be extended, and that Jesus might be glorified. We need to not look in here and get fixed, but realize this is great, but turn our eyes out here. And as we turn our eyes out there, say, let's go get them. Let's go get them and let's show them the glory and the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want nothing more, nothing more than to see men, women, and children throughout the city of Linwood praising our God. And today, on a day like today, thousands upon thousands upon thousands are sitting in their living rooms waiting for the game to begin. That's, that's it for them. That's the highlight of today. That's, this is, they're going to get their, the fullness of their joy is going to come from this day. And hopefully there's some joy at the end of the day. I long to see, I long to see the day when sinners are repenting coming under conviction, turning from their sin, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ and finding in him their liberty and freedom. I want to see the day when honesty, hard work, joyfulness, thankfulness, and, the, and blessing others is the new norm. And I know none of this will happen unless we are diligent in loving our neighbors sacrificially, declaring the gospel joyfully, and building up one another faithfully. We truly have a great opportunity before us. We have a myriad of businesses in front of us that we can serve, minister, and bless. We have untold number of houses behind us, as I mentioned, that we can minister to and bless. God has placed us, and it's very interesting. He's placed us in terms of location in the center. And he's placed us, put us in a position where we can truly become a beacon of light in the city of Linwood. But you know what? Here's the deal. This is only going to happen as we understand the, adva- the opportunity we have and we take advantage of it. We could simply come here every Sunday morning, sit down in our chairs, take it all in, go back to our homes, and just get in the rut and routine, and that's what we do. It just becomes the meeting place. Or we can invest our lives in these businesses, in these homes, in the people around us, invest in the city, extend ourselves and reach out and bring redemption, and truly fulfill the name we have, Redeemer Church. We're Redeemer Church because we have been redeemed by the Redeemer. And he has called us to to bring redemption to our city. So in order for us to get a better picture of what I'm talking about, I I want us to understand, first of all, the need for light in the city. In John chapter 1... Beginning at verse 4, it says this. In him was life. Now, who's that referring to? Jesus, right? In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
So if the light, sorry, if the life is light, then death must be represented by the darkness. And in Scripture, when life is referred to, it is speaking about a kind of existence. It's not speaking in terms of, uh, you know, light in terms of just shining brilliantly. But life and light, the connection we have here, in terms of life, when it talks about in him was life, out of him comes this particular kind of existence that is full of joy, peace, contentment. There's innocence, there's purity, there's fullness. And this is the life that can only be found in God. God himself and the triune God is overflowing with life, this, this particular kind of existence. Death, on the other hand, is a kind of existence that is full of confusion, lust, anxiety, stress, guilt, shame, unrest, and defilement. And this is what happens when when one is separated from God, who is life. What happens when you're separated from life, when there's death happens? The life that is him is taken away. And so that you grope looking for life, and you lust after things to be filled. And you never are completely filled. And the reason why darkness is such a great description of death is because it depicts exactly what that existence is like. It's dark. Throughout Scripture, man and his evil deeds have been referred to as darkness. This has been the description that God has used throughout. Proverbs 4.19, it says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Ecclesiastes 2.14, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. John 3.19, verse 19, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So what is that saying? What does it say about Darkness. Well, darkness refers to and describes the people who live in wickedness and in sin apart from God. Darkness is the state of the world before Jesus enters into it. So as we read in John, 1 John 4, as we just read at the very beginning, in him was life, this particular existence that overflows. And this life was the light of men, this existence that bubbled out out of himself and touched people's life. As he's touching lives, they're seeing the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and this darkness is the world. And here into the world comes this blazing sun. And the darkness has not overcome it. And even though Jesus has come, this light, as it says in 1 John, has come, there is still plenty of darkness. There's still plenty of light to come. And he knew this. And we have been created as children of light. You are the children of God, children of light. Therefore, be light. Be light in the world. And we live in a particular, in, in, in regard to this nation even, we live in a particular area that's filled with darkness. And the amount of light is minimal. As I've stated before, the city of Linwood only has 22% who, are, who attend a church of some kind, and only half of those who are attending are evangelicals. That means 
according to my poor math, that only 11% of the people of Linwood are evangelicals. And of those evangelicals, here's the question. How many of them, how many of them are actually faithful Christians? That's another good question. So it tells you, so 11% are evangelicals. That means that 89%, if my math's still working, 89% of the city of Linwood is in darkness. Doesn't know life in Christ, at the very least. Doesn't know fullness of life. Doesn't know the peace, the joy, the love that is to be found in Christ. There's a tremendous need for light in this city. And who's to bring the light? But the children of light. Now light, again, don't think of light as information. Because a lot of times we think, oh, the lights went on. Right? So we hear, we hear, heard something, and it made a lot of sense, and all of a sudden, bing, it clicks. And what do we call that? Oh, the lights have one on. So what we have to give people is light. This has actually been taught and thought before. Many have thought this, that all we need to do is give them the right information, and then the lights will come on. Well, of course, there's an aspect to knowing and understanding the truth. You have to, or you still remain in darkness. But there's more to light and being light than, than the simple process of transmitting data. This is where we have to understand that not only is there a need for light, there's a need for light because there's just so much darkness, but we have to understand, let's look for a moment at the blessing of light. Light has a tremendous blessing. We look at the life of Jesus, we see a man who, was about, who went about bringing light to the world. This morning was read for us Luke chapter 4. In the passage, we see what the light came to do in that particular passage. And I love this particular description in verse 40 of Luke 4. It says, Now when the sun was setting, what's interesting is it's like a play on light. When the light was going down, Jesus is rising up. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many. That whole passage is a particular description. Just early in verse 4, there was great darkness. See, a great, a great light has come to the darkness. And just after this, we see this, what Jesus is doing. What's he doing? Well, he's doing two things. There's, there's the proclamation of the kingdom of God. And then there's the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And these two go hand in hand. As Jesus, everywhere he goes, what does he do? He touches people's lives. He's redeeming, delivering, rescuing, freeing. It's even hard for us to comprehend the goodness and the glory of Jesus as he's going about healing every disease, it says healing everyone, and casting out demons. He was delivering people from the effects of sin and death. Here we have a true manifestation of the Messiah. He was the one who had come to save us all from the death that sin had brought, 
to, so that we might be brought into the light and the life that's in him. For the first time, people were being set free. They were being set free from the bondage. They were experiencing life in the kingdom of God. What it was like, what it would actually be like under the reign and rule of Jesus. Do you know what people understood until this point? Under Caesar and most kings throughout history, with only a couple of exceptions, powerful oppression, powerful kings, who the way you became king is you dominated, and you, and you oppressed people, and they became your servants. Now the greatest king that ever lived shows up, and what does he do? Liberates people. Frees them. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is in their midst, and he's washing their feet. He's freeing them, liberating them. They're rising up out of the darkness and coming into his marvelous light. Jesus is reaching out, and it's just blessing upon blessing upon blessing as he brings his liberation and his goodness to those around him. Never have they ever seen or met a king like this before. This is what light the light of this king was bringing and doing. He was bringing blessing. And in Matthew 5, Jesus reveals to the church, he reveals to us what our mission and calling is. What are we called to be? He says, you know what you are? You are salt and light to the world. And we looked at this recently. And they're a blessing. They bring blessing. That's what you are. And he says, this is, this is what you're to be. You're to be as I am to the world. You're to go out and bring this blessing to the world. You know, one of the most beautiful things for me is a city at night. How many of you have ever driven south on I-5 and you get towards the bridge that goes, you know, see Lake Union to your right and the city? It's, I just, I'm, almost every time I do that one at night, I'm just like, oh, that is beautiful. As you see the skyscrapers and the, and the buildings and the houses on the hills and the, the light bouncing off the water. You, do you know what's so amazing? It isn't the darkness. It's the light against the backdrop of darkness. You ever hear somebody says, I, really, I love it at nighttime. Well, okay. I know, you know, they, they don't... They usually don't love the dark because actual dark without any light, you can't see anything and you'd run into walls and, and there's nothing to delight in except uh, this utter feeling. I don't know if you've ever experienced where you can't see your hand. It's scary. You feel like you're going to get hurt. You don't know where you're going and, and you, insecurity just wells up in you. But what we love is light in the midst of darkness. That's the greatest blessing. And when we have the backdrop of darkness and we have this beautiful light in the midst of the city, that is beautiful. And that's the gift and the glory and the beauty of light. And that was what Jesus came to do. And that's what he was doing. He was shining like the sun, the noonday sun, in all of its glory. Because as he goes forward, he's doing what no others have done before. And in like manner, whenever the church has stepped out into its community and tangibly loved its neighbor, it has brought light and goodness. And it truly begins to look like a city on a hill whose light cannot be hid. And I want to say to you, all of us this morning, that we have 
an opportunity to become a beacon of light. The children who are receivers of light to be light to the people around us. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take us reaching out, reaching out with kind acts of love. Love that the world can experience. You know why Jesus was light? Is because his deeds were righteous. What he did was good, right, pure, and true. You know, we can be a blessing of light to our city in really practical ways. We need to start thinking. We need to get our wheels spinning. We need to look around and realize that we can be a blessing to all these neighborhoods behind us. There's things we can do. We've already reached out and did a little raking. You can do raking, mowing, cleaning. You can clean windows and clean gutters. There's things that we can do for them, serve them in some way. There's things that we can even do and bless businesses and the people who come in. It's pretty amazing. We've got Wendy's right here. We go over to Wendy's and say, hey, listen, we've got $1,000 we'd like to give you, and everybody who comes in, we'd like to buy their lunch for them and just tell them it's compliments of Redeemer Church. We could do the, do the same thing. We go to Fred Meyer and give them several thousand dollars if, if we have it. And, uh, you know, even Thanksgiving and say, anybody who comes by and you see single moms or anybody who think you really need it, just, t- just pay for their groceries and tell them compliments of Redeemer Church. Let them know to continue to just bless, you know, uh, uh, the tire place, Les Schwab. You could do things like that there. Build relationships, connections, and just be blessing people. Just do things that bless them. We got the park. We've already, several of us have talked about things we could do at the park. You know, there's people there on a, on a hot summer day. We cruise on over there. We can, we can give up free hamburgers and hot dogs. We can do concerts in the park. We can do all kinds of things. Just think, how can we bless these people? How can they see? Because that is light. Do you realize people don't do this? People of the world, they think of themselves. They're, they're self-interested. And what can I do for me? And that's, that's the most important thing. So when people sacrifice and step out of themselves and just seek to bless others, that is light shining in darkness. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And when we do these things, we're bringing light to our city. And we're giving Jesus a really good name. And we're acting as children of light. This is what our Lord, our Savior, our King came and did. He came in the midst of darkness and he brought light. He loved, he blessed, he healed, and he touched every one of them, as it says. Touched every one of them. Because, you know, here's the other option. If we fail to be light... We're taking the light that we've been given and we're hiding it under a basket. Jesus says, no, you're not to do that. That's not why you're light. You're light to give light to the world and to let it shine. And you know, and as we've, I've talked about before, and as we do these things, as light goes out into the darkness, it cultivates hearts. It prepares them. Now, then you give them lots of reasons to ask for the hope that lies within you. Now all of a sudden you give Jesus a good name and a good reputation. And you declare the goodness of the gospel 
And against that backdrop, it makes sense. Then we're just not a church with, about words that just likes to talk words. We're actually a church of deeds, of word and deeds, that understand that true life and light has come to the world and we're recipients of it. And saying this, and helping us, hopefully understanding the blessing and the goodness of light, that when we go do these things, it really does have an effect in people's lives. And it really does bring light to the city. We have to understand something, because as my third point I have, you see in the notes, there's a paradox to light. It's interesting. You would think it's just all goodness, and that there's nothing that can come of this. Well, it's not completely like that. It's not always rosy. There are times when the darkness hates the light because it further reveals their darkness. And this is what John, in John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, it says this. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Jesus did get an amazing response. His reputation went throughout. The whole region, it says. He got an unbelievable response to what he was doing and to what he was saying, and people were just astounded by this man. However... There were also those who hated him for it. And the reason they hated him is because, as the text says, those who love the darkness hate the light because it exposes their wickedness. This is why the Pharisees and the scribes constantly were just uptight and hated Jesus. His works were truly righteous. Their works were truly unrighteous. But they had an attempted facade of righteousness, and they were getting exposed. It really wasn't righteousness at all. They loved religious ceremony. They loved dressing up. They loved debating theology. They loved prestige and power. They loved the respect they received. They loved what they received in their positions, but they didn't love people. How do we know that? Jesus would go into a Sabbath, go into a synagogue on the Sabbath, and he would heal someone. How did that go over with those fellows? Not so well. And why did it not go over so well? Because the brightness of his light shone so brightly, they saw his goodness that they hated it. It exposed them. They never would have, they never would have helped anybody out because it's the Sabbath. You don't want to do any work. In fact, that was their argument. You're breaking the Sabbath. You're doing work on the Sabbath. You can't do any work. And he's very fond of saying, yeah, well, if one of you had a, a mule and it fell into a ditch on the Sabbath, would you pick it out? 
you know, they never had an answer for that one because he knew that probably half of them had done something like that. And just expo- what it exposed them. You're right, yeah, I'm more kind to my mule than I would be to a, a human created in the image of God. And Jesus exposed that because his deeds were righteous and theirs were evil. And this is what happens so often. If we're actively doing good and we're seeking to be light even to this city, then we shouldn't expect it to be all roses and peachy and great because there are some self-righteous who love their wickedness and who hate what is good. But you know what's amazing? Even in that, even in doing that, when that happens and there's tension there and people don't like us and they say speak evil against us, sometimes the most shocking things happen because the most vitriolic often, not often, it can happen, the, the ones who are the most hateful can often be the ones most broken by it, most disturbed by it, most troubled by it, and go home and have sleepless nights after the things that they did. And it has a powerful effect. We don't want to be ignorant in thinking that light, as we bring light, that light is just rosy and good all the time. It has an incredible impact. It really has an effect, and it stirs people. But the more we do and the more our reputation goes out and the more people think of Redeemer Church and they start to think of it and they say, think, wow, here's a church that seeks to bless the city. We can't think that it's all going to be rosy because there will be people who try to malign us, falsely accuse us, and slander us. And they do this, as we know, because it exposes them and they don't like it. When this happens, do you know what we do? We continue to do good. We continue to bless. We continue to serve. We continue to be cheerful. But we also need to be careful. Do you realize that the greater our reputation, the more exposure, the more people know of us, the more careful we have to be? Because they're looking for dirt. <laughs> they're looking for ways to slander. They're looking, that's what, you know, often it's like, you know, be careful of the name that you represent. You represent the name of Jesus. We're called to live above reproach. So even though they slander and malign, as it talks about Peter, hopefully it's because of your righteous deeds, not because of your unrighteous deeds. So they have nothing, nothing that can stick. It's not, there's no truth to it. But as long as we keep on smiling, keep on serving, keep on blessing, keep on loving, we will overcome evil. The light will penetrate and break through in the darkness. And we will see people responding. And then as we declare the name of Jesus and we lift him up in our praises and we tell them of what he's done for us, God will do great things. God will do great things. As Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. I am hopeful And I am excited about the great things that God can do in and through us. I'm hopeful and I'm excited about our new location. I'm hopeful and I'm excited about the facility and everything we have. Because we have a great opportunity. And we have an even greater God. 
And as we seek to bless, to serve, to give, to reach out in our acts, kind acts of love, and as, we, as, the, as the city gets to know us more and more and our reputation builds, if we are faithful in word and in deed, if we are faithful from this pulpit to proclaim Jesus and lift him up, and if we're faithful to reach out and love and serve the neighborhood around us, we should expect great things. We should expect the kingdom of God to advance. You know, <laughs> I pray almost on a daily basis that God's kingdom would extend throughout the city, that his name would be glorified. And I long to see the day when that happens. But it's going to take all of us saying, let's go get them. One of the things we need to be careful of as well is not becoming thinking let's, what, what we do will be attract them. There's a difference between attracting and, and seeking, pursuing. One of the things we want to do is not become like this attractional church. Let's do all these things to attract them, but rather forget that. Let's be faithful and let's go out and pursue them. Let's chase them down. Let's seek to bless, to give, to serve and minister to them. And then watch how God works in that and gives us opportunities to tell them about Jesus and see them start to fill this place up. Redeemer Church. That's our new name. Because we want to be a beacon of light to the city of Linwood and bring to them the redemption that we have in Christ. So they too can experience and know the Redeemer. And they too can join in, become part of the light. And the light can grow, the light can expand, and little by little it overtakes the darkness. And we become this glorious city on a hill whose light cannot be hid. That is what we want to become. And let's pray to God to that end and work to that end. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much that we have come to the light, the light that is in Jesus, that we know him, we serve him, that we've received the life that is in him. We're so grateful and we're so thankful. Oh, Father, I beg of you that you would glorify your name and you would extend your kingdom throughout the city and that you would use us to do that. Please, Father, lift up Jesus, exalt him. Use us, stir us, that we would love this city and proclaim Jesus to them and that he, as Lord and King of all, would have men, women, and children everywhere throughout this city praising his name and do this for his sake. Amen.